Talky jungle make you feel Oh, I like that little bit at the end. That's not true to form. I see a little remix on it. Is this the new intro? No, I was just uh, vibing. Here we go, here we go, Fabrizio Romano. Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 50, 50, 51? I don't know, don't know where we are. I think it might be 52. 52, could be 52. Uh, anyway, we're here. Uh, Tommy's on the other, other end of the interwebs, ready to chat some shit about, mainly Australian football today, I believe. But uh, what, have you, what have you got for us? How are you feeling? The Australian special. I'm feeling great. Oh, I feel like an idiot because it's actually night shift football number 51. Uh, we have to get that in order for the chronologists out there, ripping their hair out, being like, these fucking idiots. I don't understand numbers sequentially. They, no, want feeling great. Take their, they want us to take their podcast seriously and they don't even know what episode they're up to. What a joke. <laughs> yeah. Why are people not sharing this more? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. On oh, that, on that if, you're listening, if you're listening, pause this, go share our page. I dare you. Go on. Anyway. Do they have to pause it while they do it? I'm encouraging it. You don't okay. want to miss any of the, the great things that we might come out with this week. You just never know what you might miss. It is deadline day. And the biggest story of the day is obviously the, you know, there's been a lot of conjecture over the last few weeks. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Will they figure out exactly what it is? The Salisbury train, Sam. I've done a deep dive. Ah, yes. Here we go. It is, in fact, a train. A train. The Salisbury Maccas train. And it was confirmed on the railpage.com.au website, which is full of, you know, lots of colourful characters. Uh, People (laughs) with a fierce passion for all things rail. Yes. (laughs) And there's a specific specific thread in here um, from PAFC Machine which I believe is a reference to a rival code that we will not bring up. Hello all. Does anyone know what's happened to the old end loading car that was previously at McDonald's Salisbury? It's only recently been removed from the site and was pretty complete with bogeys, etc. Just wondering what's happened to it. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what. Railpage was lit. There was a flurry of replies or within an hour. These guys know their trains. It disappeared about four weeks ago. But God knows where. Oh, this is from the 30th of May, 2004. Oh, that long ago. The car was internally modified, Sam. So I can't see anyone actually wanting to use it. But yeah, it was was that (laughs) long ago. Is that right? No one's going to want to use it. That's that's how long our childhood (laughs) has been stolen from us. This is when I realized I was an adult. When I noticed it was gone. I was there on Wednesday night. This is from Mark. To be honest, though, it did take up a lot of room. Can get quite congested in the car park when busy. <laughs> yes. Carry on. I'm loving <laughs> Which it. Is, just followed up by SAR759. And now this is the expert. He's come in dick swinging. This was the third <laughs> XR carriage that had been used in a fast food outlet. Oh. Hungry Jacks on Main North Road at Enfield had one down its side, minus the bogeys. Uh, well, what are the bogeys? Carriages. I don't know what bogeys are. Did you really expect me to deep dive further beyond this? 
there was a Hungry Jacks in the western suburbs near the airport that had an old Adelaide tram for the same purpose. I went to my third youngest cousin's fifth birthday party oh, in the carriage at Salisbury. I've also been at a party in the Hungry Jacks one on Main North Road. This has been gone for quite some time now, though. There you have it. That's quite a summary of the um, trains in fast food outlet. <coughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> trains in fast food outlets in Adelaide. Um, Choking a mobile here. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, these yeah, well, people. I mean, I love the guy that's like, what, what would you do with it? Exactly right. The Fonj with the P-H-O-N-J. What would you, you do with fucks? it? What would you do with it? <laughs> what would you do with it? Well, well we I would like, about we, it. We would host the Night Shift Football birthday party on there. We would. We could convert it into a pod studio. A pod studio train. Yeah. For Night Shift Football. Train. Also had We're, a few other ideas. Maybe a meth lab or... You can't host. say that. You can't say that. Don't, Why, don't make really, me cut you out the pod. It'd be really nondescript. No one would ever suspect an abandoned tram in someone's backyard. Train. Well, there was a tram, okay? That's what I, the point I was getting to. There was one. It was at Westlakes. We should probably wrap this up and talk about football. We are never going to speak about this again, I promise. All right. That's three weeks in a row we've talked about the Salisbury train, tram, mess. And that's I can confirm there will never, ever be any chat on Night Shift Football again yeah. about any sort of non-four-wheeled vehicle <laughs> in, a, in a fast food outlet. Certainly not a SAR 759. Maybe we'll save that for the very niche side pod of uh, train carriages at fast food outlets <laughs> when that one starts. Deadline day. There's been a few transfers go. around. I believe you have uh, some names you wanted to reel off. Let's let's go through a few. Let's have a chat about some actual football. No more trains. What do you got? Official confirmed. Christian Eriksen is back. Here we go. Uh, he is signed with Brentford, Sam. Is this a good news story? Uh, I guess so. It's a good news story for Christian. Definitely. Um, I mean, he hasn't played since the, you know, the saga of the, uh, yeah. was it the Euros? It was the Euros, right? I guess he's uh, yeah. obviously still a, he's a very talented footballer. Mm-hmm. I guess not a lot of clubs willing to take the chance on someone after an incident like that. And that's how he ends up kind of down the ranks at a side like Brentford. Will he get much game time there over this? It's a, just a loan to the end of the season, is it not? Or is he... Yeah, six-month deal with an option to extend until June yeah. 2023. Is there some kind of rule or legit? There's some, there's some kind of ruling that says he can't play in the Italian league, right? Because of his condition or? I'm sure. Yeah, I think that's I think that's inhibited him a little bit, trying to get to a different club or could also be no one wants to take a chance on it. Um, it should be great to see. I reckon he'll get game time for sure. They need uh- something a little bit different. I hope he gets the chance to come out on the pitch and like smack in one of those free kicks that yes. we've seen him do. That'd be cool. It's just yeah. set up, isn't it, for a grand moment like that? Yeah. Homecoming. Who knows? He could be in the Prem till the uh, end of next year as well. So best of luck to him. Uh, there's a couple of midfield moves. Uh, Rodrigo Benton Kerr has signed his contract with Tottenham. 19 you, million. Babe. Yes, 19 million. What do you think? You're the Italian correspondent. Is this a good move? 
Uh, it's a good move for him. It's a good move for Juventus, and it's a good move for Spurs. For Juventus, it's good to get someone off the books who doesn't contribute a whole lot. Um, for him, it's a good chance to get more regular football and play at probably a club where he's more, uh, maybe uh, the level is more suited. Mm-hmm. Like he's, you're, you know, at Juve, you're expected to win the league every year. Spurs, <laughs> you're not expected to win anything. There's um, no expectation. And for Spurs, I guess they're getting a player that's coming from a, a top European club that's looking to kind of re-spark his career. Spurs, I think it's almost just at the point they can get anybody because they've been the meme of the transfer window, unable to pull the deal, uh, un, un, unable to confirm deals on a raft of players. It just Conte tearing his hair out because you know usually he's a guy that likes to dip into the transfer market, bring some new signings in. Um, it, what what can you do if no one wants to join your club? I mean, there's a great example here: snubbed by Luis Diaz, snubbed by Adama Traore. Snubbed by Oli Tanner. Do you know who Oli Tanner is? Uh, this is the League One or League Two guy. This is the seventh division Lose FC. Uh, the club had agreed for a hundred and k hundred k fee yeah. to sell to Spurs, uh, but the childhood Arsenal fan said no. <laughs> he Love will that. remain in non-league football. <laughs> Love that. He's living it up. Uh, just while you're still on Tottenham, can I squeeze in Kulusevski? Yeah, hit it. The uh, Swedish winger. Also from Juventus to Spurs. Um, This guy came through. I can't remember who he was playing for in Syria where he started killing it. It might have been Genoa, but don't hold me to that. Uh, But he was great. Banging in goals. Juve signed him. And then obviously it didn't, um, you know, it hasn't been the fairy tale that I guess he hoped it would be. But he also now has a good chance at Tottenham to kind of hit restart and have a crack. It's definitely the Conte factor, isn't it? Dragging some of the, the Juve boys to England. Yeah. Conte's got pull, especially from Serie A. So, um, yeah. good luck to him. They'll probably be very active in Italy uh, next season. Then Spurs, that'll be one to watch. Um, heaps of Juve moves then, because it looks like they've agreed uh, with Rangers to take Aaron Ramsey on loan. Up to Aaron Ramsey now, whether or not he wants to agree to that. That would be nice in the title race for them. Yeah, it'd be good for Rangers. Wouldn't be good for anyone else in that league Super that I can think of. A gr- certain green and white side. Yep, a certain side that, only two points that, behind. They would find that not so helpful. Um, <laughs> for Aaron Ramsey, I, I can't. Would he accept this? I, I don't see. Oh, no. This guy's a gun footballer. I don't know why it's not. I think there's a thing in. I, don't, I honestly don't know. Like it's, It seems to me that he's never really gotten a fair opportunity to play his natural position at Juve often been used as a right midfielder or only being given time off the bench or given starts in games where the squad's been rotated um I don't know I don't know why they signed him um they should be just selling him to someone and he could probably still be really good at a high level club well there were a few Premier League clubs sniffing around so for one reason or another, no one, you know, it's a little bit like the Jack Wilshire thing. No one wants to take the chance on a potentially injury prone player or someone that isn't, it doesn't, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense with Ramsey because he's so good for Wales and he just seems like such a likable, affable guy, someone you would want, you know, Premier League experience, you'd want him in the change room. So for Rangers, would be a massive inclusion. Will he do it? Interesting. 
I don't think he will, but you know, what other options does he have on the table at the moment? Uh, I got nothing. Bobby Yang is in Barcelona. This could be uh, the end of a really big headache for Arsenal with everything that's been going on with Pierre over the last few uh, few weeks, month and a half, two months, all the off-field drama, the stripping of the captaincy, the dropping. You know, a loan move out until uh, the end of the season might be best for both parties. Yeah, it could be the best. Um, Barcelona desperately need a striker that's not Luke de Jong. And <laughs> number one, Arsenal, happy for it to be Uber. Arsenal desperately need to get this guy off the books soon. So uh, maybe loaning him out till end of season could be a good start to that. They can look at getting someone to replace him. I don't know what's going on with this guy. He had such a good career up until like just now, like just recently. Yeah, um, real recent. Real recently has just had an extraordinary career. So many goals. A great impact for both Bruce Dortmund and for um, Arsenal. And it's just all just turned to shit in a matter of seconds, it feels like. Can he reignite it with Barca? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I, this Barcelona side are pretty average. Um, and this guy doesn't seem to, you know, even at his best, he's never been one to really lift a side uh, mm-hmm. because you're kind of relying on getting the ball to him in good spots. Um, if you can't get the ball to him, he won't score because and he, he's not the sort of player that he doesn't do a whole lot off the ball either. Like he doesn't he doesn't hold up play very well. He kind of gets a couple of touches a game and finishes a couple of goals. So uh, who knows? Probably I don't know. No good for Barca, I wouldn't have thought, but they need something better than De Jong. Probably more effective than Depay. Yeah, uh, he doesn't. He just doesn't scream world beater anymore, although, and that's a shame because he was so fun to watch at Dortmund, and we we're both psyched to see him come to the Prem. And you know, he did light it up. I mean, he's got a really good return in the Premier League as well. Mm. Just yeah, something has gone amiss there. Uh, Donny Van de Beek completed his medical, and he's a new Everton player. Frank Lampard's first signing, perhaps. Uh, loan, no buy option. I don't know about this. <laughs> I don't know about this at all. I don't see... Um, firstly, I don't think Everton have d- made the right move taking on Frank Lampard. Massive risk. Huge. G- given the defensive frailties Frank Lampard's sides have shown throughout his coaching career already, I'd be very worried about that if I was this current Everton side and staring down, you know, look at, they're looking at the drop zone. Um Vanderbeek, I guess, from his perspective, like we said with a few other players, a good chance to get like a reset, restart, go again. Um, hasn't worked at Man United for whatever reason. Maybe we speculated ourselves that maybe he's like just doesn't do it on the training field or something because mm. we've seen coach after coach not really pick him or give him game time. And we saw how much he turned it on in that Ajax side like when they – Ajax went on that really good run in the Champions League and then their squad got like pillaged basically by all the big clubs, um, stole all the good players. But now he's kind of just been stuck on the pine, not getting a gig. So I don't know, good chance for him to reset. I don't know about this for Everton though. Um, yeah, yeah, given that there's, there's no two-buy option and it's just a short-term loan, it really does look like you're re-energizing a player for a divisional rival. It doesn't, are they going to get, a relegation-saving player out of him. You don't know based on what he's shown so far. So, yeah, it's just a massive, 
massive gamble. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a gamble they're taking. Can we get through this next six, six months and ensure that we stay and then we can hit reset next year and start again? Yeah. With Frank Lampard, do you think that's a long-term project for him? Well, why would they get him if it wasn't? That's what a worry. We, I don't know. Why do, they, why do these teams do anything anymore? Like, why did Watford get Ranieri for 13 games? Why? It's, I, don't know. I don't know. We're off track. We're off track. We're off track. We'll, we can talk about yeah, managers another time. At least it was football related. Um, Wut Weghorst, who I tried to make fun of because he's got an interesting name. Uh, you're quite happy to tell me this guy could actually be a gem of a signing for Burnley. Well, I think he's a good player and he can score lots of goals. But if you refer to our last episode where I took a big dump on Burnley and basically said, why, if you're a professional footballer and an attacker, why the fuck would you want to play for Burnley? I don't know if this guy's ever seen Burnley play, but he's, <laughs> he's coming from the Bundesliga where all the teams pretty, pretty well try to attack and score goals. Mm. And he does mm. score goals for one of the sides that are, I guess, uh, up in the top half, Wolfsburg. Uh, but now he's, <laughs> he's taken on this move to Burnley where he'll probably get relegated to the championship. He'll probably get one touch a game if he's lucky because they just won't try and attack. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Good luck to him. Hey. Yeah, good luck to him. But he's, he's got a great I don't have record. any good luck for Burnley to give out. No, no, of course not. But, you know, if you're talking about upgrading from Chris Wood, he scored 15-plus goals in his last four league campaigns. Um, you know, they got him for 15 mil. They sold Wood for 20-plus. Like you said, he's probably going to play in the championship next season. And unless there's a tactical change... He won't be scoring too often, but it looks like he's he's got the pedigree to absolutely light up the championship. Maybe that's his goal. <laughs> he, big fish. he wanted the big move so he could go move to England, take the piss in the championship. Yep. What do you got next? Uh, so I was just reading into Weghorst's questionable character, and that is potentially why he's gone there. <laughs> this could be great. Um, Julian Alvarez to Manchester City. Uh, it's the striker that has been longed for, except he is seemingly a youth product, 7 million euros, and he's going to go straight back on loan to uh, River. This kind of signing is a little bit curious, isn't it? I don't, don't, is this just more player farming? Is this a little, is this a January move? He's going to end up at Melbourne City maybe. It's probably player farming. I don't know. I don't know the guy. Can't really, I don't have anything else to give you on that one. Sorry. I just thought it was funny. They finally signed a striker and then loaned him straight back out just to shut everyone else up again. Uh, the Aston Villa's uh, Matty Target has gone to Newcastle. 20.8 million pounds. Yeah. Newcastle making deals. It seems like a, it's a currently, I guess, a step down for Target. I guess for how long is the question. Because Newcastle, if they can keep bringing in players and they do survive the drop this year, then um, you know, then they can they can look at building on the squad that they've started, you know, with signing like the likes of Trippier and whatever. Um, I guess it it could take a few years, but players are wanting to jump in. I guess players are wanting to jump in early, get their spot in that squad, and see what money they can make. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I can understand Target's ambition to leave because um, they did sign Luca Dean, and so that's going to really yeah. put a, that's going to put a stress on him getting any kind of minutes this season. So you know, it could work for him potentially. It just it rules out these absolute 
just anonymous fullbacks like Paul Dummett from playing ever again. Yeah, uh, which is which is a shame because you know these these niche <laughs> characters are the reason that we tune into Newcastle. You can't just go and sign. Yeah, but it's just like, it's less. We tune fun in if- to watch Newcastle because of Paul Dummett. There's not I- even any Newcastle fans that tune in to watch Newcastle <laughs> because of Paul Dummett. <laughs> if there is one, please let us know. We'll try and organise a signed shirt for you, and <laughs> we'll, we'll do what we can. We'll be the Paul Dummett fan club. We'll try share and the back. share the pod with hashtag PD. <laughs> Hashtag PD shirt. <laughs> Not Puff Daddy. And you go in the draw. Uh, just, just a couple more. That, that winger, uh, Brian Gee uh, from Spurs, he's going to go to Valencia on loan. Yep. Doesn't look like Dembele is going to go to PSG from Barcelona, but that could be one of those weird ones yep. that two, two days after the window closes, he gets forced over the line. Uh, Phil Jones was on track to go to Bordeaux. Oh, my online. God. How many of these have you got? But he said no, because he wants to stick it out at United, which I thought, you know, if we want to end on one, that's a really, that's good character. A man that's been roundly mocked, shunned, hated generally by fans of his own club. A guy that turned down a testimonial because he asked who would go, (laughs) has decided to stay for his love of said club. Yep. Good on him. That'll do it, surely. There's been, a, there's been a few moves today, and I'm sure there's more to come. Yeah, we never touched on uh, our boy Adama. Oh, yeah, Adama Traore, of course. Adama Traore to uh, Barcelona. I've been hanging out for this one because, uh, as we, our loyal listeners would know, I think this guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Just to and put it lightly. I don't know. Simply. I don't know why Barcelona... Uh, uh, th- this, to me, just absolutely is... This is the, it just highlights perfectly the situation Barcelona are in right now mm. that someone like Adama Traore is going to go there and get a gig with other players like Luke de Jong. <laughs> like, <laughs> it says it all. It's the homecoming that they have been waiting for, Barcelona. Don't bring back Messi, bring back Adama Traore. He left a skinny little rat and now he comes back a greased up beef ball. And he's going to absolutely maul Spanish fullbacks. There's no doubt about it. Is he? I mean, not with the football. I just mean physically. He's just going to barge into them. He's going to run really fast. He's probably going to skin a defender or two. And then he's going to put his cross out for a goal kick. Or he's going to lash the ball over the bar. Yeah. That's how that'll go. Yeah, But, you know, I can't wait to see more Caitlin Ford-like challenges running straight into the side of players and bowling them over just because of his obscene muscle mass. Terrible attempt at a... Uh, you're trying to segue this into Matilda's chat, I guess, with your Caitlin Ford mention. Yeah, do you want to talk about the Matildas? Yeah, let's talk about the Matildas. Um, <laughs> I suggest maybe putting away the niche segues that a lot of people wouldn't get. But uh, well... Matilda chat... You know, we could edit something together to, to make it a little bit more clearer. Matilda's chat. Uh, Asian Cup, obviously. I don't know how much of the football people would have seen. I know a few of our listeners definitely watched a lot of the football that they played over this Asian Cup. Smashing Indonesia 18-0 in the first game. Indonesia, if you're not going to take it seriously, go home. Um, What's the point? 
And then we, I think we smashed the Philippines and then we beat Thailand with a rotated squad, finished top of the group, went through and lost 1-0 on Sunday night to South Korea and have crashed out in the quarterfinals in what I can only call a disaster. Yes, disaster. Just as Harps put it, abject failure, an abysmal showing. There was a bit of that. There was a little bit of doom and gloom over the weekend now. Um, and usually we don't go that hard on the Matildas, especially after the, you know, they sort of got a little bit of credit in the bank after the Olympic Games. Perhaps not Tony Gustafsson himself. His record doesn't really speak that well. He did say judge him on this Asian Cup performance. And, you know, quarterfinal isn't really where they expected them yep. to crash out of. Surely not. No. Um, it's being called a bit of a... It's, it's got mixed mixed reviews of this Asian Cup on uh, Twitter media, Australian football media. Um, I'm, going, I'm sticking with failure, disaster, because this team I had picked to surely at least, at the very minimum, make the final. Um, and now, I guess, we're not saying like sack the coach, get him out, but it just puts a lot more pressure on the World Cup next year. Um, now they need what I would have thought. I would have thought you probably disagree with me on this, but I would have thought in a home World Cup, I'd liked us to have at least, at the bare minimum, made the semi-finals. Now I think probably they have to make the final. You think? I guess they have to win it. I, I would think they should probably win it. Yeah, just given that we're going to have this glut of golden generation players that aren't going to win a trophy. Uh, what? You know, they win pre-season, well, not pre-season, but, you know, the friendly competitions, the Cup of Nations, the Tournament of Nations, whatever. But to win an actual piece of FIFA-endorsed or AFC-endorsed silverware, they are going to really miss an opportunity here where they could have stamped stamped their authority on, you know, just the entire women's game over the last five to eight years. Yeah, it is a shame. Um, I was pretty gutted for them yesterday watching it because... I guess you you get judged on results, and that's just too bad because that's how football goes. Um, but Australia did. <laughs> they had more than enough chances to win this game. Sam Kerr had a nightmare, which should probably only play this bad, like one in like 50 games. And it just happened to be in yeah. this quarterfinal. Like she was yeah. scuffing open net chances. She lashed a couple over the bar or mishit a few. Um, we also got, we were absolutely robbed a penalty which wasn't given, um, even though in the first half there was a horrible VAR call which gave career a penalty, which they put over the bar. Um, yes, their Chelsea Dynamo, who ended up scoring that banger to Yeah, to who then it. ended up scoring an absolute banger to win Great it. Great goal, man. We copped two really tough goals in this tournament. The only two goals we conceded, they were both worldies. Yeah, and this one's knocked us out, though. So, yeah, I don't know. That like fucking sucks. Yeah, they just, you can't put it down to the coach, but unfortunately they all have to ride and die together on this one and they didn't win, they lost. They weren't good enough in the end when it mattered and they, they're just going to have to work really hard now to make sure that the World Cup next year is a big success yeah. here. That's the thing. So, I mean, I guess you are kind of excusing it in a way, the Asian Cup disappointment, because on the balance of the game, 
you have five or six, this is what Gustav said, five or six really good clear-cut chances that on other days they're scored. And, you know, yeah, during yeah. the tournament they've been scored. That random one where Kerr gets her feet stuck, just her right foot is where her left foot should yeah. be. It's just so rare. It looks like she's been, like, bewitched. Yep. It's just one of those things, though, in, like, a few years' time, it's going to be like, oh, all we're going to really remember about it is that they got knocked out in the quarterfinal, you know? Rarely do you go back and remember how good a team was in a tournament if they got knocked out in the quarterfinal, you know? Mm. Um, you want to be remembered, you've got to be making the final. And I thought we were a dead set chance to win this thing. And I was really hopeful that we were. And I was just really disappointed to see us go out so early. Yeah. Is it a wider strength? Is it a problem that Gustav's inside of only... I mean, he's lost 10 of 20 games. He's taken charge. The... The progress is there, I suppose, in squad development. He's definitely given a few more a go since he's come in. I mean, Mary Fowler being a, ever-present now is a very new thing for the Matildas. And he took, you know, Courtney Vine and there's a few others on the bench that getting their first gig. Is it li- too little too late? Because like we saw, when Sam Kerr can't stand up and deliver a game on her own back, uh, there's not really anyone on the bench to turn to. Uh, maybe not up front. We still have... Uh, quality players around the other areas of the pitch. I think we play really good football. Um, the other thing I'd say is a, a lot of the games that Gustafsson has been in charge, of, we, we tend to play a lot of, we tend to play the tough opponents a lot. Yeah, we do. Yep. So we do play the US a lot. We play the Netherlands a lot. Teams like that. Sweden. Sweden. Rarely do we play a lot of the Asian teams. Um, and we are, I'd have, we are significantly better than the, a lot of those Asian teams. We were significantly better than Korea yesterday, but yeah, like I said, just didn't score. Um, just get up. I guess, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what, what much more to say, to be honest. So you don't, you don't think that it's a, it's an ingrown problem. That you know, the selection is okay. Gustafsson's tactics are okay. If we go to the World Cup with this group of players, maybe one or th- two or three that we discover along yeah. the way in the next eighteen months. I think will be it's okay. okay. I think there's just. They know uh, it's going to be tough for them though because there's going to be so much more pressure on them now, yeah. and I think they know that. They will know. You could see it in their faces yesterday as the game got into those last, like the late eighty odd minutes into stoppage time, the desperation and just the anguish because they know this was such a golden chance to win something and do something big for Australian football, and they've essentially failed. And now that they do get another chance at the World Cup, but. It would have been so much sweeter if they were able to leave this Asian Cup with a win, come back to this World Cup in Australia next year with that in the bank, and then just give it a crack. And, you know, if we got knocked out in the semis, or, you know, at least we won one of these two tournaments. But now we've got nothing and we have to go into this World Cup needing a win, probably. Yeah, with all hinging on that, a bit of momentum would have been really nice coming into this. But nonetheless... Um, perhaps uh, one Chelsea Dorber could have been used as a weapon off the bench. Yeah, well, she's in goal-scoring form for the Adelaide United women's team, so I don't yeah. know. She, late, I, late bolter? I'd say she could, get a, she could get a crack in this Matilda squad at some point, I'd say. Um, but who knows? We'll see. You got anything else on the Matildas before we move on? No, just uh, I guess just the one thing that always shits me in the the wake of a Matilda's loss is the the half of the media types are you know necess- unnecessarily bashing what's happened in the past. You know, we've seen Alan Stadjic is now 
taken the Philippines, the Philippines has taken them to the semifinal. And so we're sort of looking at, okay, what could have been, you know, that is a long time ago now. They're just, every time someone brings that up, I just think, well, it, it, it achieves nothing. It achieves nothing now. But secondly, on the other hand, there's a lot of, if only you knew what I knew, you'd react differently to what's going on right now. And that nothing shits me more than a blue tick on Twitter or a journalist saying, if you knew what I knew, it's like, you're, that's the whole idea of you, dude, is you're supposed to be telling me what you know. That's your, that's your job, not for you to sit here. You're talking, about the, ones people's that faces. Are, you're talking about the ones that are calling out criticisms of the team or the coach. Yeah. And just and basically saying, oh, you don't get it. What is, yeah, what is that to get? Exactly. And being shielded just by vagaries and crap. Like there's one in particular that was like, there's a lot more to say about this game and this tournament over the next few days, weeks. Um, but for now, I'll say that anyone calling for Gustafsson sacking has no idea what this moment is actually about, nor what he and his staff are trying to do. And it's like, great. That's just great discourse. We can just, I can see it now. The next 18 months is going to be the Australian football types taking pot shots at each other, oh. disrupting the build-up. It's going to be toxic. Yeah. It's going to be chaotic. And we're going to ultimately shoot ourselves in the foot again. I find that whole idea ridiculous because... We all get it. We all know what we're trying to do. We all know we're trying to win something here, like yeah. where we're trying we're to go with this. We might not exactly know how Gustafsson wants to go about it and do it, but we know what the end game is. And like, if you're looking at a quarterfinal result where you've lost and been knocked out when you're one of the tournament favorites, what else are you meant to say? Criticize it. You can't say, "Oh well, yeah, oh well, tried. we're 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 aiming, we're aiming." For bigger than this, but we didn't get it. Yeah. So oh well, it's too bad. You got to cop the criticism. It's got to happen. Yep. Should we move on? We can talk about Hell the Socceroos. Yeah. Oh, dude, is it yeah. what a what a polar opposite? You know, to be criticizing and upset about the Matildas, but then on the other hand, being super psyched about the Socceroos. Yeah. So Socceroos absolutely pumping Vietnam at Amy Park in Melbourne last week. Uh, needed this. Needed a big home win. I think in front of a good crowd. It was a good crowd. Needed good contributions from around the squad, which I think mm-hmm. we got. And particular. I guess which all we can do from here is win all our games. That's it. That's it. And, it, you know, we're past the time now, I think, of criticizing Arnie and the squad and the team. And yeah, it's not good enough. Rah, rah, rah. Like We're just at the point now where the, the team is what it is. I think Craig Goodwin's inclusion, we were always going to be biased about this and say it was well needed, but the difference it makes when you have a naturally left-footed attacking threat in this team. I cannot believe it's taken this long, given we have been without one for such a long period of time. And when you see Martin Boyle unable to produce and Matthew Leckie isn't quite doing what he should be doing, uh, you know, breath of, uh, breath of fresh air, breath of fresh air. Definitely. Like you said, all cup finals from now on. Yeah, it was good to see. Um, absolutely out of my seat fist pumping around the living room when um when goody scored it was such a good moment we've been calling for him to get in this Socceroos squad if lecky is in it if lecky can be in this Socceroos squad then there's absolutely no reason craig goodwin shouldn't be either um and that was the case he came on for lecky scored what a moment absolutely buzzing um and then our boy riley got in on the act as well the gola kaka Set up by Manapara's finest, the true king of the north. It just had to be, right? The, the little combination play. It had to be. Goodwin looks inside. Who's he going to find? Of course, your mate, Riley McGree. Bloody hell. That, you couldn't ask, you couldn't have written a better script for 
uh, South Australian football. And there's no better advert for it than, you know, the Socceroos and Adelaide United right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, 100%. And that goal Riley scored, that's just, it's such a typical Riley McGree goal. He, he just has these great finishes from the edge of the box. When he gets, he's one of those players, when he gets the half charts, you kind of, you're backing him to at the very least hit the target most of the time. Um, I was watching that video. I can't remember if I mentioned on here last week or the week before, but there's that video on YouTube of every goal and assist Riley McGree has in the A-League. And it's so many of them are just like those kind of create half a yard in and around the edge of the box and just fin- finding the corner or just lashing it past the keeper. And he's done it again at this time for the Socceroos. Yep. One of so many to come, I think. You'll do well to you know, exclude Riley from any camps here in. And he's really knocking on the door for a starting spot. He's got to try and knock out Harustic, but the form of Moy, I didn't think he was probably the most disappointing player on the park for mine, Aaron Moy. He's uh, drifting in and out of football matches without having much effect. Yeah, we look to be, that's one area of the park where I feel a bit concerned about. You know, we're looking at having Aaron Moy and Jackson Irvine as the two main kind of central yeah, midfielders. Irvine. And I like, I I don't know how, Riley McGree seems to have developed into a more like out and out attacking footballer than like a box-to-box central midfielder. So yeah. I wouldn't be wanting, there was a few people making the case for perhaps he could start with Rogic. We could have Rogic. Riley and then like a holding midfielder, but I don't think we have a holding midfielder good enough uh, to play just one of them. And especially no. given I don't think our center backs are all that strong either. I'd be very worried about playing one holding midfielder in front of them. That's a really good point. I think you make because um, Cam Devlin was probably the guy most touted to assume the DM role, but he's not really playing a DM with hearts at the moment. And it doesn't, He's another one that looks like he's going to develop into a more all-round midfielder. So we do seem to be lacking in like a big, powerful DM presence. Yeah. Is this... And I mean, even when you look more local, Louis Dorigo is again finding himself, you know, um, sort of flowering better as like a midfielder as well. Yeah. I don't know where we go long-term for that. Maybe is there a formation we can play without a DM? Is there a possible way to play without a DM in the modern game? We don't have anyone. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any way to do that in the modern game unless it's a flat out like defensive five at the back shape in which you try and hit on the counter attack. And I don't want to be that. We can't afford to be that sort of side in Asia. No, not trying to qualify, definitely. Yeah, we should be going out and destroying teams. So, um, and especially now that we need to win all our games. So it's it's an issue for down the road and it's an issue that, um, I don't have the answers to, but I don't coach Australia. Graham Arnold does, so <laughs> I'll wait for him to make a call and then I'll criticise him for it. Well, he wasn't uh, in this game. He was locked up in his hotel room with COVID, so yeah. maybe that was in. Maybe that's what sparked the good result. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> the man um, was far, far away. Aaron, Going back to Aaron Moy, I still think on his day, he's one of the better... He's, he's probably still the best midfield option we've got for that position. Ooh. Oh, for that position, yeah. For that yeah, for that position, I think. Um and I also made a point uh to a few others like well the every time the soccer is are playing there's obviously lots of stuff going on on social media, lots of group chats going on. 
Um, I don't know if it's my bias, but a few people seem to agree that if when all our players are at their best, I do think Tom Rogic at his best is still one of Australia's best, probably Australia's best player yeah, when he's when he's at his best. Yeah, uh, when he's at his best, which is now, like his, which is right now. Yeah, uh, thank you, Ange Postecoglou, for you know re- revitalizing this man, making him the second coming. Um, he really is, and he's so exciting on the football. And you can tell that every good move that was, you know, from deep in our half or from deep in the opposition's half or every sort of attacking outlet needs to be spun through this man because he is in great nick. And like you said, probably the most important soccer we have right now. Yeah, 100%. Um, just got to keep him fit. Got to keep this form going. Um, but it is good to see that, you know, if we had to, we don't need to talk about Riley again, but if we had to, Riley can probably do that job. Um, it's, that's just where, a, it's just a that's shame if we can't. Him. Yeah. yeah. If we can't find a way to fit them both in the team, though, that's, you know, mm. that's the struggle. I think Riley's the natural successor to Tom Rogic's position. And, yep. you know, maybe he has to wait a few years longer than he should have to, just given that he is revitalized now, Tommy. But, I, you know, it just seems like a natural fit. That's where Riley's going to play his best football and he's going to be his most devastating for Australia. Yep. So how has, I think. How has Tommy's injuries been this season? I've been really keeping up uh, with it. He's been too okay. Much. I think he had uh, one, he had a minor one earlier in the season. He may have had two, but. Mostly, he's been he's been fit, and when he when he has been given a start by Ange, um, he's been excellent for Celtic. He's been one of their best players this year, so um, probably would like would have liked him him to score a few more goals. Um, but he if he can turn that into good form with the Socceroos, then that'll get us a long way to qualification. Oh yeah, long may it. Um, I think tomorrow night is Japan Saudi Arabia. And then we play Oman on Wednesday, is it? Uh, this is this doesn't go live, so you're gonna have to specify days. Oh yeah, it's Monday the thirty first <laughs> at the moment. So Tuesday the first, Japan, Saudi Arabia, which is massive for the group, a massive yeah. for Australia. We kind of want the Saudis to win now, don't we? I guess so, yeah. Yep. And just let them finish first by a long mile. And Maybe they could go everyone. unbeaten and the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So knock them all out. And so and we then play we Wednesday play, the second. Yeah, Wednesday morning, two thirty. Adelaide time. We play Oman. Will I watch that one? <laughs> Probably. Depends, depends how we go on Happy Valley, I suppose. I'm a sucker. No, well, that'll be Wednesday night. This is Wednesday morning. Oh, yeah, of course. Wednesday morning. So I'm Tuesday sure night, Wednesday morning. Yeah, 2.30. I'm a sucker for a Socceroos game, though, in some obscure Asian nation in the middle of the night. So <laughs> I'll probably be watching it. There's just something nostalgic and warm about it. <laughs> There's no, is there? <laughs> That's nothing. That's nothing. Well, you don't remember waking up to Holger Ossick's bulldog face frowning like over. Nil all draws in Tajikistan and stuff. And like <laughs> just him sh- shouting at Brett Edmonton to run two more kilometers a game. Oh, shit like that. Should we talk about the A League? Yeah. Another good weekend. We started off with Adelaide, obviously, because we're the best team oh, in the country. 2022 champions. Fucking hell, man. We are the best team in the country. The most informed team in the country. We have the best second halves in the entire league. Uh, We do. Maybe the world. Who knows? Maybe the world. Maybe the galaxy. Someone Someone else can come and prove that we're not. It's not up to us to prove that we are. Um, 
<laughs> we were shit though against Newcastle, I'd say. Uh, I don't know if you watched this game, but a very, very ordinary yeah, first half. But then I just, I don't know, I kept the faith. I thought, I, I said during the first half that we were going to win it. I just had a feeling we were going to win it. And if we go in, nil all at halftime, um, we, we would get a result. And we did, we did, we did just that. We got a your result. Blind, your blind optimism got us over the line. Yours and Ryan Kiddo's. Well, Captain the, um, Kiddo. Captain right. Kiddo. Uh, look, I like it. One, for the alliteration, and two, I think it was very fitting. We got tagged a little bit in this, asking what our thoughts were. I liked it. I think he deserves it. 140-odd games for the club. Absolute utility. Great club, man. By all means, give him the armband. Yeah. There's a lot of outrage about him getting the armband for this game. But, you know, Adelaide fans will, you know... I've often said that if we went an entire season undefeated and won the grand final, we would be outraged at something still. So if that's going to be Ryan Kiddo getting the armband, so be it. But like we've said on here before, we all know this guy's not an A-League superstar. We all know he's A-League squad level footballer. Um, I did say to someone else, though, you know, when, when Kiddo, Kiddo won the Surge Melter medal, which is the medal for the best player in the men's MPL league in Adelaide. He won it in 2015 or 16. I want to say 15 for okay. Bercala. He scored 17 goals in the 20-odd games that season. And all I have to say is if someone did that right now, people would be screaming for Adelaide United yeah. to sign him, you know? So Salute careful what you wish for, boys. <laughs> Ryan Kiddo, wear the armband, wear it proud. Adelaide boy, getting us the win. Get around it. I kind of Stop want a team winching. full of. That's how I kind of want a team full of kiddos now. That's a team inspiring. Full of kiddos. Number one is right, kiddo. <laughs> He's pretty Number much played two. every position so far. So why not put him at centre back? Can't be yeah. any worse than Trat, right? You can't be any worse than Trat. Do you want to get to that? Do we want to talk the goals of this game chronologically? Yeah, just, we'll just we'll um signposted at the start. Via also described it as being our poorest performance of the season, and. It's so evident. It so was. Yeah. That first 45 minutes was... It was 45 minutes of our attacking players, Blackwood, Dakuli, Mo, uh, Bernardo, basically having the ball at their feet, dribbling, and then hoping that defenders would magically disappear or, <laughs> or just get out the way of them. Just blip. That's what it was. <laughs> Every time we got it. And it was like, why don't you just turn around and play the ball back for a sec? Let's get a... Newcastle were dominating the ball. We could have just slowed it down, got our foot on the ball, slowed it down a bit. I guess that comes with experience, but Blackwood, I would have thought by now, has enough A-League experience. The others he, they, yeah. the others don't, but you'd still, we need them to smarten up a bit probably. He should have taken that front line by the scruff of the neck. You talk about experience, the birth years of our front three. Motore, 2004. Bernardo, 2004. Dukuli, 2003. Uh, there's no one born in the previous century. That's just, it's outlandish. Blackwood yeah. had such a huge responsibility to not only dictate, you know, the, what the happenings of the ball from, you know, the second third into the final third, trying to pick up scraps from the edge of the box, yep. you know, getting these guys to play it back to him. That's who we needed them to turn around and give the ball to. But that was wanton. There was none of that. Is our missing is obviously going to be a huge blow to us keeping the ball, our possession football style, the way that we like to play. I thought one day getting booked early didn't really help his game very much either. So we were on the back foot from the get-go. 
yeah, um, appalling. Carl Viet's accurate in saying it was our worst performance. It was not good. Um, so we come to the second half, and it looks like it's getting even worse because uh, it's the goal for Newcastle, I guess. It's a decent cross. It's a good finish. Um, sh- should we have allowed it to happen, though? Probably not. Very avoidable, probably. Hard, yeah. yeah. How many more um, rhetorical questions do I have? Don't know. <laughs> Uh, hopefully that's the last. Uh, does Trap belong in an Adelaide United shirt? No. <laughs> Sorry. Less less rhetorical, more. No, we shouldn't. I mean, yeah, yeah, we should. I'm really glad that he's missing this this Sydney game. Um, and hopefully that'll be the last time we see him in an Adelaide United shirt. Yeah, maybe. It depends how his replacement goes. Um, I don't even care if the replacement is dog shit. I just, I just cannot deal with another lapse of concentration from this guy. You have... One job in that situation, get tight to your man. Don't let him half yep. volley the ball out of the air and find the bottom corner. He's firstly the ball out wide. So Jakobsen has found himself wide one on one with the winger who crosses it. And he's let him cut onto his preferred side. I believe he's left footed, that winger. Um, can't remember his name, but he's let him cut inside, whip the cross. The cross, I guess the cross isn't even really whipped. It's like, it's it's a decent cross, but Jacob Tratt just kind of stands there. He doesn't get close to, like Newcastle have one player in the box and that's their main man, their key uh, signing striker, Mikul Tadze, And he's not even close to him. He's just standing off him. And he like he's not even, he's not under any pressure. He just neatly volleys at home. It's bizarre. And he copped a massive serving for it too. Who gave was it Yavi or one day? Uh, gave one day was next to him and just kind of if looks could kill it. Yeah, it looked like he would kill him. <laughs> I like that you explained what that's saying, man. <laughs> yeah. Justin if looks could kill him, it looked like he would kill him. <laughs> if he had scored, he would have been on the score sheet. <laughs> Michael Owen type stuff is what you're getting from me tonight, you know? Yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of niche train facts and Michael Owenisms. Yeah. I'm just sick of him. Trat and Owen, but mainly Trat. Um <laughs> sick of Michael Owen too. They missed a great chance, the Jets as well, to go. Was it what it was before the Mukutazi goal, wasn't it? To go one nil up. There was a few there was a bit of that going on in the second half. I honestly I thought we were gonna get done one nil. That's like, oh Jordan Elsie's gonna get the last laugh over us. This is not great for my conscience. This is not yep. great for my week. The Matildas at the same time we're getting done in. And then magic. I mean, you could probably expect it because the Jets hadn't played in six or seven odd weeks. So they were never going to run out an entire football match. Well, this is why I had kept the faith in us turning that around and winning that game. You um, Did you expect our, it in that manner? I didn't expect it in that manner, but um, the Aaron Kunda free kick, like, I mentioned before how I watched, I, I sent it to you as well, that video of all the Riley McGree goals and assists, mm-hmm. but it has the one where he goes on that brilliant run and he tees up Mo Toure when Mo Toure scored his first goal for Adelaide United yeah. and just the absolute scenes. And uh, we talked about like the emotion we felt from like seeing that again and how, how big a moment or how incredible a moment it was for a player that young to score. And I'm putting this, Aaron Kunda free kick in the same category because in a few years' time when we see replays of that goal, we're going to be like, oh, my God, like 
for a 15 year old to step up on that stage and score a freak that stage i mean that's you stage. know well, but you know what i mean it's your side that, needs a goal you're yeah. 15 years old you know you're, you're what is he his third senior appearance this is a kid who said himself was playing under 15s the previous year so it's been a cataclysmic rise for him and i i say that stage because i guess people will laugh at it being the a-league but yeah it's a 15-year-old playing professional football still against, you know, experienced, you know, men and stuff in a team of, we've got guys that have played 300 La Liga games and stuff. Yeah, and he's the one that steps up, takes a free kick and buries it. And Unreal. Buries it. A total banger, man. I, and there wasn't even anything wrong with the wall. Duncan tries to get across. It's just a great free kick. And it shows such calm, cool, composed mentality, you know, what is the ceiling for this guy? Who knows? Who knows? Um, on the comms, Daniel Georgievsky was uh, calling it Beckhamish. Beckhamish. It did have a little bit of the up and down of a David Beckham. Uh, I mean, a right, a free kick from a right footer that hit the net. You could name anyone. <laughs> name anyone that's scored a free kick with their right foot. That's generally a free kick has to get up and over the wall. So, you know, it was the Matt Watson there's special. That. There's that. So, good on him. Well done, Aaron Kunda. Then we now, come to the winner. Were, were the backflips more impressive or? <laughs> no, they were not. You got, you got to love an athletic celebration though. I do, but, uh, you know, I've seen so many backflips. They're just, you know, it's just a backflip now. I mean, it's part and parcel. I really yeah, like my favorite flip. moment of it was Kiddo trying to get everyone involved, trying to get everyone running off the touchline and over celebrating with the boy. Trying to get everyone doing backflips. <laughs> <laughs> That was his go-to celebration at Beckhaller before an unfortunate incident. Whose? Kiddos. Oh, uh, you reckon? Yeah, backflip kiddo. Allegedly. Oh, that's what they used to call him, eh? Ryan, Ryan backflip kiddo. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they called him. I remember now. Yeah. Ask anyone at Beckhaller. Oh, ask everyone, yeah. Yeah, lock it in. Ryan backflip kiddo. So we come to the winner. There goes my hero again. Yes, any excuse. Any excuse to share that shit meme. I'm very proud of it. Um, I know you are. That's why it keeps reappearing. Ibasuki, the uh, Japanese Matt Simon, we were fearful of, now has two goals in a couple of appearances. Boy, oh boy, you said to me earlier, you reckon this guy could score 10 goals by the end of the season? I think he's, he's, he's a shoo-in. Two and 10 off three games or whatever it is. Like, come on. Just on statistics alone, it's going to happen. Backflip Ibasuki, they call him. Oh, could you imagine if they could teach him how to do a flip? He's very tall. He wouldn't be able to do a backflip. <laughs> it would probably take flight, unfortunately. What a great move that was. Um, just He brings us such you know, diversity up front when you consider we have Yangi, who's strong and quick, and you have Motore, who's like quick and skillful. And then you've got Ibasuki. He's just like a big, towering presence on the halfway line where the, where the, you know, the move starts. He gets the flick on initially. Yeah, Erin uh, Kunda does a great job to win the ball in a contested area, and then you know Cavallo set a light down the left. It's a decent cross, you know. He hits the mark. That's all you need to do. Yep. You know, and uh, you know, uh, Hero does a great job. He stoops a little bit, finds an empty net, gets across. Is, does he get across Elsie? Which is just not sure. Full circle. Um, I think he comes across Elsie and just bang. what I what I like the most in what I've seen so far is just that it seems. Um, in the few moments we've seen from him, he looks very composed in the box. Like he had that chance earlier. He didn't score, but 
he did about just about everything right. The cross came over and he chested it down. Uh, didn't look flattered at all. Didn't rush it. Waited for it to sit right for him. Got the volley off. Uh, it was just a good save from the keeper. It was kind of hit at him. It was powerful though. Um, but it's just, it builds your confidence to see your striker get a half chance like that and get it on target at the very yeah. least. And then obviously he comes comes on a few a few minutes later, he gets the chance to score the winner and he does. Um, yeah. Love it. That's what you want to see. You want to see your striker doing strikery things. And it does fill you with confidence that perhaps we have signed a guy with a little bit of technical ability and goal scoring now. Fancy a, a Adelaide United striker with 10 plus goals at the end of the season. Yeah. I don't know if he gets 10, but um, if he gets to 10, I'll do a, we'll do a live recording of me doing a backflip. Oh, we'll I am holding you to this. And we'll add it to the, we'll put it in the prize pool with the uh, Paul Dummett shirt. <laughs> yes, I'm going to get signed somehow. Right. Back, black, backflip kiddo and backflip Ibasuki. We'll get you to do a backflip off of the Salisbury train in a signed Dummett shirt. Done. <laughs> All right, <laughs> done. Lock it in. I'm sure we'll be reminded by the loyal listeners. <laughs> Oh, they'll have, be flooding our inboxes as we do speak. Do you have anything else you want to talk about in the Adelaide versus Newcastle Jets game of football? I just want to bring, I guess, you know, to attention that we've only lost two games out of 10 in a season that I thought we were going to be woeful. And so I take it all back. Uh, I, I still think we've been pretty woeful. So how do you explain? This I is think the crux of my coming, question. Coming together the last few weeks a bit better. We've said, we said the last few weeks, like we kind of, it, we need to start turning some of those poor performance uh, draws into wins or just into better performances, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> That'd be nice too. <laughs> That'd be the first um, but again, another poor performance yesterday and we still got the win. So the win. I don't know. It's like consecutive um, come from behind victories, both away from home, depleted squad. I mean, shout out Calvier, really. Sh- shout out the whole Adelaide United project. We haven't gone out and signed, you know, like a Mustafa Romini like Sydney did when Bratton got injured. When Ansel goes down, we go into the MPL. You know, when Halloran leaves, we go and grab, you know, the 20 year old that used to play for Adelaide United. We're giving the kids a go Bernardo, Aaron Kunda, Dukuli. I'm just, Stoked that the project is just going well, basically. That this youth thing, you know, we were a little bit critical the other week that we haven't been playing the kids enough. And now that we have absolutely been forced to, it's gone okay, I think. Okay. I'm still a bit reserved. I think it's okay, but I'm, I'm still pretty reserved. I'll wait till I kind of want to wait to the end of the season to pass judgment. Um, it's tough at the moment, you know, with a lot of teams with game, games in hand, the table's all over the place with matches played. Really hard to tell where we stand completely. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, like games like yesterday, it helped that Newcastle haven't played for a while. So the match sharpness wasn't there. Uh, I don't know. I'm, res- I'm not writing it all off, but I, I don't think we're good. I don't think we're bad. I just, we're okay. And I'm just waiting, just waiting to see how it all ends. Watch this space. We'll put it down as. All right, fine. I should, I guess I should wait until all teams have played at least 10 games, right? We're above Sydney, at least. Yeah, fuck Sydney. Um, do you want to talk about Sydney? Do you want to talk about any of the other A-League games? Speaking of fuck Sydney, see, that was a better segue, right? Yeah, it was better. 
You try I'm working too, on it. You try too hard on your segues, though. We can just, you know. It's it's just it's it's a project of mine. I like it. I really want to get one that baffles you so much you have no idea what we're saying. I'll just I'll just move on. I'm already searching for another co-host anyway. Is that what I can see? <laughs> You're on bloody Facebook Marketplace scrolling through. Podcast is needed. <laughs> well, hurry up. You want to talk about Sydney, so do it. Yeah, they're a little bit they're a little bit shit, aren't they? Yeah, they're shit. Um Despite the win. Interesting. Yesterday, they got a win against Central Coast, but they still had a good old whinge about how hard they've had it. Um, nothing like the the biggest club in the country, the one that has had the most loopholes gone in their, in their favor, being the ones that whinge the most. What were they whinging about? I missed. What, what even could oh, they be whinging about? They've had it tough because of COVID and injuries and things. Oh, poor, yeah. so, so poor Sydney. You know, they brought in guys like Mustafa Armini, but poor Sydney. Poor Sydney. I mean, this is the the same guys whose CEO is also the CEO of the APL. That's the, the one. Yeah, the same guy that's very vocal in the media about anything anti-Sydney or pro-Australian football. That's the guy. You think it's got anything to do with the fact they received a penalty and a very, very controversial offside goal awarded to them on the weekend? Uh, so just to clear up, Sydney did beat Mariners 3-2. Um, they the, pen- the penalty you're referring to, I do believe, is probably a penalty. Looks pretty mm-hmm. penalty. Um, but I'm still baffled by, I guess, the main talking point of this game is the offside, not offside goal that Bobo scores. Uh, I don't know who... The- so the cross comes in, a Sydney player uh, in it, around the penalty spot swings at it. Misses it. Bobo's in an offside position if it had touched him. Um, but it finds its way through to Bobo. He scores. Flag goes up. Uh, ref goes and chats with the Lino. And they agree, nah, it's not offside. He didn't touch it. Um, and then VR approves it and says it's a goal. And says it's all okay. Everything is kosher. Yeah. So I guess the um, the sticky part is if you can be offside because you're between the keeper and the ball or whatever, like the Stefan Mork one the other week or mm-hmm. something like that. How does um <laughs> I don't really I don't really understand how it can't be offside if a player swings at the ball and it ends up at an offside player. It's one of those ones that the referees I think have got together and made this decision because it's similar to the Jared Bowen one in that Leeds West Ham game where he doesn't touch the ball, he runs over the course of the ball. And that is deemed not to be affecting play. So that must be how the law is written. And that's how all that's how it's being interpreted by the referees. I guess so. I mean, I don't like it doesn't pass the pub test though. Yeah. It's just an iffy one. I guess because he hasn't touched if he doesn't touch it, if he just leaves that ball, it's going to Bobo anyway. And Bobo was onside when the ball was crossed in. Yeah. So right. in that sense, I guess it is onside. But just it feels like if the player before him attempts to play at it, uh, makes a full swing at it, and then it goes through to Bobo. I, I don't know. We're getting into those iffy areas about did he touch yeah, it or not? It's, and uh, my first thought is, uh, does he? I think he interferes more with the defender being able to retrieve the ball because you're saying, oh, if he's not there, Bobo just receives it. Well, if the strikers, if the Sydney player swinging at the ball isn't there, maybe the defender intercepts it instead. 
Yeah. And this is the gray area that we have with passive offside. I guess I guess I'm more the more I've watched it, the more I'm okay with it being a goal if I want to be consistent because I I do say a lot that we go searching for too many reasons to disallow goals in this game. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true as well. And I want to see more goals given rather than looked at. So, you know, I guess I'm okay with it. Uh, Central Coast just weren't good enough in the end to hold on and hold out. No, Sydney. they weren't. No, Sydney, you know, they had such a glut of shot on goals. Um, not all of them the greatest chances in the world, but did enough in the end. Their goal, the third goal, the Caceres goal, was really quite tidy. So they've got good footballers, but maybe none as good as Cumdog. Yeah, I was. Glad you brought this up because, um, yeah, he was he made a made a bit of noise this signing coming over. <laughs> He's had a really, I guess you'd call it turbulent career in in the UK, and now he's found his way to Gosford, where I'm sure he's just gonna party Settle up down the, and start party up on the beaches of Gosford. <laughs> he's gonna go the other way, Sam. He's gonna find you. Reckon he doesn't strike me as that sort of guy, but he does strike me as the sort of player that is crafty. And a good finisher um, in and around the box, finds half a yard, hits his spot and finishes. And he did that exceptionally well. He had a few really good chances that he he really created for himself where he got the ball on the edge of the area and kind of swiveled away from a defender, created just a little bit of an opening to get a swing at it and got it on target. And he did that. He did exactly that for his goal from outside the box in off both posts. Yeah, lovely goal. Uh, you know, that's that's the come dog style. All he needs is a tiny opening, and he'll attack it with you know full thrust. He is a guy that isn't one to shy away from a gaping net. You know. Yeah, he looks to me like a proper nine, and the sort of guy that could score a lot of goals in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very strong. Hey, what, bit the, nuggety. Quest- the question it raises for me is how, uh, why. How can um, Adelaide never seem to be in for a name like this? Yeah, no. Why? Why? That's a really good point because it's it's a random one that he even returned to Australia. I mean, he spoke post game. He wants to go to the World Cup. Ambitious, come dog, ambitious. <laughs> well, but, is it? He's now in the same league as our other our main striker. Yeah, that's a, that's a good you point. Know? I mean, he's almost a hundred goals behind where he should be of our other main striker. But yes, good point. Maybe if he scores 30 goals this season, Cumdog goes to the World Cup. But I, you're right. Why can Adelaide not? Is he from Gosford? There must be something. There must be some weird pull as to why he's ended up on the Central Coast. Would you prefer Cumdog or Ibasuki at this point? I don't. I have another one. I'd have to wait to the end of the season. If you oh, offered don't me, sit on the fence. If you offered yeah. me them both up uh, mm-hmm. before having seen either of them play in Australia, I would have chosen Cummings. Only because I know he was well, he was good enough to be on the books at Rangers. Yeah, uh, he scored goals against Rangers for Hibs. He mm-hmm. scored a double against Liverpool. So I would have taken him every day of the week over a guy I haven't heard of. Now that I've seen them both, uh, maybe you know I don't know. I feel like they both would have been suited to us, but we'll see how it plays out. Nonetheless, we can't sign all the strikers. I suppose we it's just nice to have striker. one. Yeah. It's just nice to have one. I guess all I'm waiting for now with um, Cummings is for him to bury a cross come shot, and that would the memes will write themselves. I've given you the response you deserve for that one. The nod of approval, I can see. Oh yeah. <laughs> West United beat Melbourne City. 
Um, I don't know if we need to talk about it, but uh, it's I guess funny. just it's pretty funny. City losing is always funny to us. Just for the lols. City without McLaren, Tilio, Lecky. Uh, yeah, not, let's be I, fair. I don't feel sorry for them though. Um, the the point I have, I guess we should mention Diamante had a penalty that was very well saved by Glover. Mm, mm-hmm. What I did want to mention in this game was that Western United played. We've we've ranted many a time about Western United playing their home games in Melbourne. But on this occasion, it was even weirder. Western United playing Melbourne City at Amy Park. Western United, bearing in mind, represent the Geelong area. While two hours before this game, Melbourne Victory played Wellington Phoenix in Geelong. Where Western United are meant to be from. Um, I... (laughs) Can someone please explain to me? Can, can someone buy these on? Victorians a map? Like, do they have any idea where they are or what they're doing? Well, I think Football Australia have dropped the ball on this one because if Western United are meant to be uh, representing that area and they're clearly struggling for numbers and supporters, how is it beneficial for an even bigger club from the same state to play a home game in that area and potentially pry away? fans or any new fans that might be have potentially been able to support Western United how can yeah. that be beneficial for them are you trying franchise? to see you trying to are you trying to say that the good people of Geelong have seen a proper football team play now and that they don't want to go to see Western United anymore well it's something that could happen isn't it it is um and Melbourne Victory took a lot of fans to Geelong almost showed them up in their own backyard <laughs> It's just the organization, you can blame COVID or you can blame a lack of access to stadiums, but it's just so poor. It reeks of amateur football organization and it does nothing for the greater growth of the game. It's the same thing with the FFA Cup uh, final where it's being held. It should be held in Gosford. Why it's being held in Melbourne, probably end up being bloody shifted to Geelong again for who knows why, who knows God's no reason, like... I've got no words for this. They just continue to embarrass themselves and shoot themselves in the foot in case of expansion. We've had three expansion teams go under. You know, very well, you could see four go under if this stadium doesn't get off the ground. It's highly plausible. I think they're just, uh, yeah, it's just an absolute mess. They don't have any fans, even when they play. When they play in Melbourne, they've got no fans. When they play in Geelong, where they're meant to be from, they've got no fans. And now they're letting another team play home games in Geelong instead of them. I just it's fucking baffles me, and it's just idiocy. Yeah. Um, makes me wonder. It 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 genuinely concerns me for the future of the game in this country. Stuff like this, it genuinely concerns me because if they make these sort of decisions, it, what else are they gonna do? Like uh, whatever. Anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll always have Adelaide United, right? They're not going anywhere. I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> just playing in the MPL. I wouldn't be getting any tattoos of them, just in case. Just in um, case. <laughs> Nothing permanent, guys. Come on. The last game we'll quickly get through. We've gone on for a bit. Brisbane uh, beat West Sydney Wanderers. Uh, the reason we're bringing this up is because there was no European football this week, so we're just chatting shit about the A-League. <laughs> we're I guess. just trying to get through but every single bit of football we've seen. Carl Robinson was sacked by Western Sydney <laughs> and former <laughs> Adelaide boy Nikola Milosnic scored a double. Do you think that he qualifies as niche footballers scoring a brace? At the double. At um, the double, put him in the team. 
We yeah. need a winger. Yeah, Mila Usnich. I saw a few on a few of the Adelaide pages, a bit of support for the boy coming out. Like, oh, I miss Nico. Why didn't he come back here? Uh, he sucks. Like, <laughs> he's not good. I, I love him, but he's not great. And, uh, you know, very quick. Can finish sometimes when he, sometimes. When he wants to, but often mm. just can't get the job done. He scored two goals in this game, but could have had a hat trick easily. He missed some yeah. absolute, another one. like missed some one on ones and some great chances because West Sydney were that bad. He he finishes well when he doesn't have to think about it, and you saw that with both of the goals. Otherwise, yeah, the exact reason he's not back at Adelaide is because we have Bernardo and Irin Kunda, and like that's our future. It's not bringing this guy back to run around. Like, and bless him, he runs hard, but he's just Trent Bihaja, but. He's better than longer... Trent He's You reckon? Yeah. He's, he's better than Trent Bahaja. I think Milo's niche for the player he is, has carved out a decent A-League career for himself. Um, he did get that overseas move and just wasn't going anywhere and he Nothing came happened. back. Um, yeah. Whereas Bahaja is just like... Nikolai Milosnitch can do good stuff and he's, he can be good in build-up. Uh, he links up well with passing and stuff. His finishing is just horrible a lot of the time, whereas Bohaja has nothing to his game except running fast in a straight line. So I see a bit of both out of them. I, it's hard to tell them apart personally. Maybe, maybe Nico's got a little bit more know-how to him, but they both can't cross a ball. They both can barely pass a football. They're good at getting in behind and running fast, and that's the category I'm going to lump him in. Fair. Um, did you want to have a little uh, shot at Carl Robinson just for having a shot at Carl Robinson's sake? Yeah, just, I mean, this is the guy that took the Jets to a grand final and then threw all of it away to chase a vanity project at the worst run club in the country. You know, Western United's bad, but they're bad because they're new and they have don't have an operating base. Western Sydney are bad because it's full of power-hungry, ego-driven just absolute maniacal maniacs. They're maniacs at this club. Six managers in four years. You know, this is the once great Asian Champions League winning, league title winning, brought Shinji Ono here, reignited the careers of Aaron Moy. Like, this is a huge club with a huge fan base. And they are a rabble. They're rooted to second bottom at the moment. Luckily, we didn't let the Jets beat us. Otherwise, they would be completely bottom. Um, it's it's very similar to the Everton situation, I think, where it's it's hierarchy rather than individuals at this point. Hard to argue with any of that. I got nothing for you in response to that, but yeah. There's a quirky little stat out of the result of this, though, because Mark Rudan has been uh, named interim manager or he's going to be manager to the end of the year. But this is the first time that every single manager in the A-League is Australian. Well, there you go. There you go. Maybe not a bad way to finish it on. And 31st of January is seven years since the Socceroos won the Asian Cup on home soil. Well, there you go. A little bit of a canny That's... Australiana fact for you. There you go. There's a couple of nice little uh, stat points. Yeah, A trophy Graham Arnold can only win in his wildest dreams. We'll leave it at that. Bye. <laughs>